Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Dean McCollum, alongside my co-host, Tyler Fertel and Andrew Lubliner. And today, we are going to be covering our five love picks and our five hate picks of this past 2022 NFL draft. At the time of recording this podcast, uh, the draft has just happened all seven rounds. Uh, A lot of excitement, a lot of new talent coming new, a lot of new teams. So we'll see who the big winners are and the big losers are of the draft in the coming months when the NFL season starts. So without further ado, let's get into our first love pick. We're going to be going one love pick, then one hate pick, and then so on and so forth. So our first love pick that we have that Andrew will be talking about is Chris Olave to the New Orleans Saints. Andrew, what do you, what do you, why do you love this pick so much? Okay, so uh, if anyone watched the draft, they know that um, a lot of wide receivers uh, were taken uh, in the first round of the draft, and uh, a lot of them were from Ohio State University, which doesn't necessarily make me happy, but this is a pick that I love because the Saints really need a wide receiver. Um, Their wide receiving core, um, outside of Michael Thomas, who's been very unreliable due to injuries and just like off the field issues and even issues with like teammates that have haven't been suspended from the team. Um, So, you know, they need a consistent wide receiver, one who's going to be able to step in right away and make an impact. Um, and I'm assuming their quarterback next year is going to be Jameis and, you know, Jameis, you know, he throws the ball a lot. Uh, he can throw deep and Olave is a great deep threat. And I think this trade was necessary for them to trade up because I think that wide receivers were going early and based off where they were picking, they probably weren't going to get Olave at their spot. Um, and I, I truly believe his ceiling is like OBJ because his measurables are very similar and he's going to be able to come in just like OBJ and be really good his rookie year and hopefully just have like sustained success, you know, for his whole career. But I think the saints really needed a playmaker on the outside and they got one in this guy. And I think this guy is very underrated. Um, and a lot of people are high on his teammate, Garrett Wilson, but I think a is going to shock a lot of people's rookie year. Um, kind of adding one more thing until we move on to our first hate pick. Uh, like you said, Alave will be able to help uh, the Saints kind of make a playoff push this upcoming season, this first season. Uh, I think a lot of people are kind of ruling out the Saints right now. I mean, they're in the Bucks division, so probably not going to win the uh, NFC South. But I still think they have a decent shot to make the wild card if James is healthy, if uh, Kamara is healthy, if Michael Thomas is healthy. Um, and obviously they have Alave there. Malcolm Jenkins retired. Marcus Williams left, so leaves a little bit of a gap there at safety. But I think that their defense is still pretty solid with Demario Davis, Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport. So I still think that the Saints uh, roster is actually looking pretty good, maybe a little underrated. Um, but uh, I think that Chris Olave being not only deep threat he is, but a good route runner, um, a good guy in every in really almost every type of route. I mean, I just think uh, he can make a direct impact once he gets uh, on the field. And if Michael Thomas is healthy, I think that that could be um, a big one-two punch at the wide receiver position for years to come. All right. So moving on to our first hate pick of the episode, I will be introducing it. And it was the Patriots 29th overall pick in the first round. They took offensive lineman guard Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. And when I was watching the draft, um, I was a bit confused since, I mean, to be honest, I'm not the biggest college football guy. I don't watch college football a lot or that that often. I only watch the big games, but when the draft's rolling around, I like to do my fair share of research, do a lot of mock drafts, see which see what uh, what all the teams need and stuff like that. 
And Cole Strange was someone who wasn't on my radar. Now, the only reason that's basically the only reason why this is a hate pick for so many people, including me, is because no one really like everyone who knew who Cole Strange was had a third or fourth grade on uh, third or fourth round grade on him, which is why like everyone was questioning why did the Patriots take this guy in the first round when they could have easily gotten him one, one, two, or maybe even three rounds later. So it's just a big question mark. Uh, the Patriots did have a lot of other needs, but I mean, it makes sense that they took an offensive lineman um, because a bunch of the other top ones uh, already sort of got taken. It's not the deepest offensive lineman class too. So maybe that's why they felt the need to maybe have to reach a, a little bit uh, before another team maybe reached, but um, knowing Bill Belichick and the Patriots entire um, developing system, he's probably going to make uh, Cole a pretty good player. So, I mean, maybe this take will age a bit uh, poorly for everyone who thinks this was a bit of a reach of a pick, but I mean, you can, you have a reason to hate on it right now. So now we will be going to our second love pick of the episode and Tyler's going to be introducing why he loves Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty to the Tennessee Titans. Um, so Malik Willis fell a lot farther than we were all expecting him to in all these mock drafts. Um, everyone thought he was going to be going first round, whether it was even six to the Panthers or the teens to the Steelers, Saints. Um, no one really thought he was going to drop out of the first round except for some people. I mean, the majority, I'll say, uh, thought he was going to be a first round pick. But he fell all the way to, I think it was the third round, where the Titans drafted him, I think, pick 86 um, and I think that this is a perfect fit from Malik Willis. Titans, who are a contender, have a pretty decent quarterback in Ryan Tannehill there right now, who is still their quarterback now. I don't think Malik Willis will threaten him currently for the starting job. So they'll let him uh, have time to uh, to develop. But I think Tannehill has a couple more years left in the league, whether it's with the Titans or without. And uh, I think that Malik could, could potentially give Tannehill a run for his money in the next maybe two to three years after the season, potentially in the 2023 season. Um, Malik, who's not, he's a raw talent. He isn't the most developed quarterback. I saw a couple of videos where his vision um, isn't great uh, and won't really help him or won't really be great at all when it comes to the NFL, where the coverages are better, especially um, because he went to Liberty. The competition isn't even as great as some uh, bigger uh, school, uh, some of the other uh, QBs, competition. So I think that he has a lot of concerns um, for some teams, which is why he fell so far. But I think that if he was to fall, which he did, obviously, I think that the Titans are a perfect team for him because there are no rush to start him now. Um, but they're also willing to, if he ends up becoming a good, good player for them. So uh, especially with the third round pick, I think that that is not, it's a low risk, high reward pick for the Titans and uh good place for Malik Willis to go because there's really no pressure on him to play well early as well. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my opinion on Malik Willis. Yeah, definitely a lot of potential for Malik Willis, uh, in Tennessee, those, that read option potential with Derrick Henry, that could be absolutely absurd, but now we're going to go back to Andrew. This time he's announcing a pick that he didn't particularly like in the draft. And this was Drake London being the first wide receiver being selected off the board from the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. So um, if we're just, if you were looking at mock drafts before the draft, you probably saw that um, he was probably projected in the top 10 in almost every one. Um, maybe, you know, some teams had like Gary Wilson or Olave or Jameson Williams, one of these guys going before. Um, but 
you know, after watching some of Drake London's highlights, like he's a great athlete. And I think that's the reason why the Falcons took him uh, eighth overall because of his athleticism and his potential upside. But I feel like his floor is pretty low compared to some of the other guys like Jamison Williams, um, Chris Olave that I talked about earlier, Gary Wilson, uh, even like a guy like Traylon Burks. Like I feel like these guys have had way more production over their college careers. And I feel like Drake London is not as technical as them. His ball skills aren't as good. He's kind of just like a super athlete that kind of runs around and then just like finds his way open. And I think he took advantage of a lot of one-on-one mismatches and like in the NFL, if you're not a good route runner, you're not going to get open. It's simple as that. You're going to be facing the best, you know, one-on-one covering athletes in the world. You're not going to be able to just like out physical or like outrun someone um, just based off what you did for one season in college. And I think like his overall production was not, you know, up to par with some of the other wide receivers in this class. And from looking at it from a Falcons perspective, like obviously they're in a rebuild right now. Um, so, you know, next year they'll probably be tanking. It looks like Desmond Ritter, um, is most likely going to be their starting quarterback next year, which will be interesting. Um, but I just think that, um, you know, I, I, I would have rather taken like Garrett Wilson here if they were going to go wide receiver. Um, I understand the wide receiver is a big need with, you know, Calvin Ridley being gone for the year. Um, but you know, a lot of people also predicted them to take O-line because they needed, you know, someone to protect whoever their quarterback was going to be, but I don't know. I'm just not very high on Drake London. I don't think he's going to be a top three receiver in this class when it's all said and done. Um, This doesn't really have to do with a love or hate kind of opinion on this pick, but uh, I don't know. After this pick, I kind of saw parallels between the Drake London pick and the Mike Williams pick, both taken uh, to teams um, that not only needed a wide receiver, but they're both big guys go up and catch the ball, good hands. Um, and both drafted with the number eighth pick, like I just said. So I don't know. We'll see if uh, Drake London can be as good uh, next year as Mike Williams is currently. Obviously, Mike Williams dealt with injuries um, in college and then in the pros. Um, let's hope Drake London doesn't have to deal um, with injuries like he did in college at the end of his college uh, experience. So, um, yeah, we'll see about that. But uh, I don't know. I don't love the Drake London pick. And I also think that Garrett Wilson is going to be better than him. I feel like he's a better all around player, but because of his athleticism, I think that he may be able to thrive in certain case scenarios. We'll see about that though. All right. So now we're going to be talking about another wide receiver that is on our love list. Um, So I'll be introducing this one, Christian Watson to my green Bay Packers. Actually, where is it? Where is it? Repping the Packers shirt right now if you can see on zoom, but, um, so this pick, the Packers made an aggressive move to trade with their divisional rival, actually in the second round, traded up to one of the first picks in the second round to take Watson out of North Dakota state. And I mean, for me as a Packers fan, this just made me really excited because other than him before the draft, especially after the first round, I was like, oh my God, who are we going to have at wide receiver next year? Because to be honest, I don't really want one of the washed, uh, I don't really want one of the washed uh, old free agents that are still available. And all the Packers had at the time was Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb, which is a very depleted wide receiver course. So Christian Watson, a super athlete, he's he's six four, so he has a big frame. And he ran a 4-3-40, so he's really fast too. So I'm really excited to see. I have to watch more film on him 
to sort of get a better gauge of how good I think he's going to be. But I've been seeing a lot of people saying a lot of positive things about him. So I'm hopefully he can work out because the last time the Packers drafted a receiver in the draft, Amari Rogers, it was like a horrible pick. Oh my God. So hopefully Christian Watson can turn out uh, to be, uh, I mean, obviously he's not going to replace Devontae Adams, but hopefully he can be an above average uh, and maybe potentially like a top six or five wide receiver when it's all said and done in this class. Um, Kind of adding on to what Dean said, uh, I really liked how the Packers handled this wide receiver pick. Uh, they didn't, they, all those big wide receivers, the kind of top tier wide receivers went early in the first round. They were all gone before the Packers two picks in the first round were up and uh, they took two defensive players. They didn't reach too high on a wide receiver. Um, they took Quay Walker and Devontae White, I believe, two um, defensemen from Georgia. So their three recent first-round picks have all been defensemen from Georgia. We'll see if that adds a little bit of chemistry to the locker room. Um, but uh, I think that seeing Christian Walker on the board in the second round and uh, kind of trading up with the Vikings, who, like you said, is their division rival, being aggressive like that was was a good move by the Packers to get that guy because like you said he's tall he's fast I don't know if he'll be the wide receiver one from the get-go but I'm hoping by the end of the year for you Dean that he will be uh, I'm hoping um for you Dean by the end of the year that he will be the wide receiver one in the uh in the Packers room or in the Packers lineup uh it would kind of suck if he didn't because your guys wide receiver room is not good right now, to say the least. So, uh, yeah, so I like this pick from the Packers. I think they got him in a good position. I think he's high upside. Um, it was the right pick, not willing to go too big of a reach with on him when they knew it would be there in the second round. So I like this pick from the Packers. Uh, and adding one more thing, I think it is interesting that the Vikings traded down with the Lions so they could get Jamison Williams, and then the second round traded down with the Packers so they could get Christian Watson. That's not something you see in every draft, especially between division rivals. So uh, we'll see how those two players are against the Vikings. And if they're good, um, not they're gonna, the Vikings are going to get a lot of hate for that. So, uh, yeah. And now we're going to go to another one of our hate picks. Tyler, you can come unmuted now. He's going to be talking about Kenneth Walker, one of the best running backs uh, in the nation for college at Michigan State, and he was selected by the Seahawks. Um, so, yeah, Kenneth Walker was the second running back off the board. He was the second running back on both teams' big boards behind Brees Hall, who went to the Jets a little bit earlier. Um, I'm not going to lie, I feel bad for Kenneth Walker that he's going to a running back committee with already Chris Carson and Rashad Penny in Seattle. Um, I would have liked to see Kenneth Walker, who, like you said, was such a great college player, go to a place where he could have competed for the running back number one job. And, you know, he might be able to in Seattle, but I feel like there are other places that, I mean, that I think he would fit better uh, at. And I just don't, I don't really understand why the Seahawks committed their second round pick to this. I feel like they have bigger needs. I think Rashad Penny was really good to end the year last year. They could have rocked with him. Um, nice. Uh, they would have a nice RB duo in the back with Chris Carson and uh, Rashad Penny, but now they have a three-headed monster adding Kenneth uh, Walker. But I don't know. I feel like QB is a bigger uh, is a bigger need for them. I mean, I don't know if they're I don't know if Drew Locke or Geno Smith are going to be the answer for the future. I feel like in the second second round they'd have could have gone one of Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, um, or Malik Willis. Let him sit out a year. Let let Drew Locke play because I mean, they're not going to be contenders this year and then maybe plug and play them next year or the year after. But uh, I just don't, I don't see the need for this pick, especially when their defense also sucks. So uh, yeah, 
I don't know. I feel like they had way bigger needs than running back. And uh, I just, I feel bad for Kenneth Walker. And I wish that uh, the Seahawks made a better decision with their second round pick. And you know what, if he does becoming, if he does become really good behind this atrocious Seattle line, then uh, that's my bad for that. I think he's going to be a great player, just not the ideal landing space for him. Yeah, uh, this pick uh, definitely could have been used somewhere else. Maybe like David Ojabo, since the Seahawks aren't going to be contending uh, this season for sure. They give him some time to heal up on that, I believe, ACL tear, but, right? It was I, ACL I, tear. But, yeah, yeah. Achilles or something like that. But uh, I also, I also want to add that maybe the, the Seahawks, the offensive line won't be as atrocious next year because they did get Charles Cross with the ninth overall pick, who a lot of people are high on, so... That's a left tackle for their future, but still, offensive line is not good. All right, and speaking of David Ojabo, I think Andrew has some words to say because he is on our love list, and he was drafted just after Kenneth Walker a few picks later by the Ravens. So, Andrew, take it away. Yeah, as you said, so David Ojabo was 45th overall, uh, second round to the Ravens. Um, This pick makes, like, a lot of sense. I mean, like, the reason why I love this pick for him is because like the Ravens are like a contending team with a really good defense already in place. Um, and they, they drafted multiple defenders uh, who I like in this draft. One of them being Kyle Hamilton, who I think is going to be a stud for them uh, next to Marcus Williams. Um, but they already have a good defense. They they've the past few seasons, they've been known to have a good defense schematically. They already have, you know, some veteran pass rushers that I think Ojabo could learn from from the sidelines. And I think it's good for Ojabo to go to a team where like he doesn't need to like get on the field right away and make an instant impact for that team to win. He can kind of just ease his way, you know, into training camp uh, uh, next year, 2023 season. And I think by then he'll probably be locked and loaded and ready to make an impact for that team. And I think he's going to be a great pass rusher for them. I mean, he would have, he was, probably a top 10, 15 guy uh, before the Achilles injury. And the fact that he has, he tore his Achilles like a month ago and still went in the second round just shows the upside he has. Um, and then one other thing that just like makes sense that he went to the Ravens is that the, his defensive coordinator this past year at Michigan, where he had 11 sacks and five forced fumbles uh, is now the defense coordinator for the Ravens and his head coach in college Jim Harbaugh now going to play for his brother. So there's like a lot of connections there. So I don't, I honestly don't think there could have been a more perfect fit for him. Um, I think a lot of teams were probably scared off by the injury, just like a lot of people were scared off by Nicobe Dean uh, until the Eagles took him in the third round. And obviously injuries are a big problem, but it's only one year. And for a contending team like the Ravens who don't need him to play right away, I'm not sure why some other teams didn't look at this uh, earlier. So yeah, I think he's going to be a really good player for them. Yeah. You go. Yeah, I think it definitely could be scary hours in Baltimore once Ojabo gets fully healthy because he's going to be coming off the edge one side and Odafe Owe on the other side. That's that's pretty scary. That's a really good young defensive core they have there. And what were you going to say, Tyler? Yeah, I'm going to add something really quick. Like he said, I feel like the connections are perfect for uh, for uh, Ojabo. And I feel that uh, he's the ability, like you said, watch from the sidelines, learn from uh, learn from John Harbaugh, learn from that defensive uh that defensive coordinator. Um, and I feel that, you Mike know, McDonald, Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald. And uh, when he comes back from that ACL or Achilles tear, um, when he comes back from that injury, like you said, Dean, 
Um, that that is a good young. Those are two good young edge rushers that could really, really help uh, the Ravens excel in the next couple of years. And uh, their first round pick, along with Tyler Linderbaum, who I also thought was a good pick. I think Kyle Hamilton, uh, I think that's going to be a sneaky, sneaky pick from the Ravens. I think people overreacted to his 40 time. It was like a four five something. Um, it kind of made him drop a little bit. He was supposed to be a higher pick. He went at 14. Um, and I feel that he is, he's a very, very smart football player. And I think that because of that 40 time and because of passing on him, a lot of teams are going to regret uh, letting him slip through their fingers. So I like Kyle Hamilton. I think that he could be, um, a, he could have a big impact on the Ravens defense from the get-go. All right. And we have another Andrew pick. This time it is a hate pick. We have Wandale Robinson, uh, the wide receiver taken by the Giants. So Andrew, why don't you uh, tell us why you didn't particularly like this pick? Yeah, so this was like the Giants' second-round pick. Um, and they had two first-round picks uh, where they took Kayon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, who I thought were, I thought they won the first round, to be honest, after that. Um, those are like two of the top 10 best players in pretty much every mock in the draft. But then in the second round, um, they decided uh, with the 43rd overall pick to take Wandell Robinson, who's wide receiver from Kentucky. And this isn't really like... Uh, hating on Wandel Robinson. Um, this is more like hating on the Giants in this scenario because I think Wandel Robinson's a really good wide receiver. He was like the SEC wide receiver of the year, whatever that award is called. He won that. And his production is like without question very good. He definitely should have been a second round pick. But I just don't understand why the Giants would take another wide receiver when they used their first round pick last year on Kadarius Tony, a wide, a wide receiver who is a slot wide receiver that's a deep threat that prioritizes himself on his speed to get open. And Wandel Robinson is almost a clear copy of Kadarius Tony. They're very similar prospects. And uh, the GM, when asked about the pick relating to last year's pick with Tony, said that he doesn't intend to trade Kadarius Tony. So they pretty much drafted the same player two years in a row. Um, and the Giants aren't very good at like utilizing their um, their uh, wide receivers. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the stat, but they have the most expensive wide receiver core in the league. Yet out of all the wide receiver cores, all 32, uh, they have uh, the lowest amount of receiving TDs last season. So that just goes to show like, I mean, that might be Daniel Jones's fault, but that just goes to show like, you know, whether it was the coaching, whether it's the QB, whether it's them, they just don't develop wide receivers. Well, they already have so many on the roster. Um, and like guys like Darius Slane, Sterling Shepard, who have like, shown flashes of potential but like they just don't develop uh in that giant system so i'm not really sure why they they took that i mean i think they could have definitely used more help uh on the o-line or on their defense because i just don't think adding another wide receiver is getting them any closer to like making the playoffs or trying to make a push at the division definitely some valid arguments there definitely a lot of other positions that the giants could have gone with but now we're back to the love side Tyler, tell us about why you love the Jermaine Johnson pick to the New York Jets in the first round. I mean, every every Jets fan in the universe loved this pick. I have a cousin who's a Jets fan. I have a friend who's a Jets fan. They both loved it. Um, they drafted Jermaine Johnson in the late first round. Uh, he was a guy that was projected to go early first round, potentially even top 10. Um, Jermaine Johnson's a great story. 
He started in Juco, where he was featured on Last Chance U, then headed to Georgia, and then headed to Florida State, where last year he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. And now he's a first-round pick to a team where he will be utilized right away. Uh, And I feel that um, the Jets' defense got so much better in this draft, adding Sauce Gardner and uh, Jermaine Johnson, that I just feel like um, great, great, great draft from them. and I think they had the best first round in the draft, adding both those two players, and then also Garrett Wilson, who I think is the best wide receiver in the draft class. Um, and so I just, I love the value pick here. Uh, they traded back into the first round to get him. Um, I don't really know why he fell, uh, but I just think, I think it was smart by the Jets. He not only has a lot of potential, but could impact their team now. So he's a player um, with not only a decently high ceiling or uh, a decently high floor, but also a pretty, pretty high ceiling. He's a very athletic guy. So uh, I like this pick from the Jets. Um, yeah, I think that they had arguably arguably the best draft class overall and for sure the best first round, at least in my opinion. Definitely re- a lot of reasons to love this pick. I mean, it was rumored that the Jets could have taken him with one of their first either fourth overall pick or 10th overall pick. So the fact they traded up and got him at 26, definitely great value there. And now lastly, for our last hate pick, we have Andrew talking about the number one overall pick in this draft, Trayvon Walker to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Andrew, go away. Okay, before I say anything, I would just like to say that um, this is like, I wouldn't necessarily say this is as much of like a hate like, like, I don't hate the pick necessarily. Um, it's just more of an argument as like the reasoning why uh, Aiden Hutchinson um, should have went before the Trayvon Walker. And like the reasoning for Trayvon Walker to go number one overall was definitely like his athleticism, his speed, his size at the position he plays. He has the makings of a very good football player and he's been able to put a lot of stuff together um, recently. But his production, even though he was on, you know, a, a good Georgia team, national championship winning Georgia team this past year, he's never really been able to have like sustained success over his college career. And I don't think, I think that production in college matters regardless of, you know, what team you're on, you know, six sacks, seven and a half titles for loss. Like that is good, but he only had like 17 tackles on the year. And obviously he's playing with like Devontae uh, Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Quay Walker, like all those guys are great. But Aiden Hutchinson lined up against David Achaba, who would have been a top 15 pick. You know, he, he wasn't playing with the torn Achilles during the year. He had, a le- uh, you know, Achaba at 11 sacks. Hutchinson had 14 sacks, 16 and a half tackles for loss, 36. He pretty much 36 solo tackles. That's double what Traylon Walker had. So I think those stats kind of just show like at the end of the day, Hutchinson's going to make a bigger impact. I think he's better right now. And I don't think his ceiling's lower than Trayvon Walker at all. I think they both have very similar ceilings to be just elite pass rushers. I also think Jacksonville, they needed a culture change and they needed a guy to come in that they could build your defense around. And they needed a pillar who could just come in right away as a rookie and just absolutely make a huge impact for that team. Um, and I think Hutchinson should have been the guy uh, I think that, you know, his floor is a lot higher. As I said, he would have came in and made a great impact. I think he's probably, you know, you could market him as a face of your franchise. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't really hate Trayvon Walker. Um, and I know that a lot of Jaguars reporters reported this and talking to other Jaguar fans. I know that 
their owner, uh, Shad Khan, I think, uh, he wanted Hutchinson, but the GM uh, wanted Trayvon Walker. And the fact that they went with Walker shows his faith in the GM. Um, so we'll see if that pays off. But yeah, not to hate on Trayvon Walker. I think he'll probably be one of the better players in this class. I just think that for the Jaguars, in Hutchinson made more sense. Um, I, I, I think that kind of adding on to what Andrew said, um, I don't hate the Trayvon Walker pick. I think that he... Um, the reason why the Jaguars liked him, he's very athletic. He's versatile. He can, he can play both tackle and, uh, and so I think that's why they liked him. He could go all along that defensive line. Um, but like you kind of said, I think that they need a guy who will come in from day one and make an impact and be kind of their cornerstone on the defensive, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously they have Josh Allen there. I don't think he's their cornerstone right now. And you know what? Trayvon Walker definitely could be. Trayvon Walker could change. I mean, he could come in and be the defensive player or the defensive rookie of the year and be that cornerstone of their defense and potentially the cornerstone of their whole team if he's that good. But I think that right now, like you were saying, Aiden Hutchinson was, in my opinion, maybe the better pick just because of his productivity in college and uh like you said he was being double teamed a lot like Trayvon Walker was not double teamed very often as he's playing on the defensive line with Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis and the defense with also Quay Walker and uh Nicobe Dean and all these guys so he wasn't double teamed very often I mean in the semifinals and finals of college football he was very very good I mean I think he had a sack in each game um he was pretty good against Evan Neal in that championship game but I just think I don't know I just I think like you were kind of saying, Aiden Hutchinson might've been the better pick there just because he's shown his hard work. He's known for his hard work. And if he came in there and just started bulldozing people and showed the Jaguars what he was all about, I think that everyone would, would have surrounded uh, or would have surrounded him and kind of bought into his mentality. And I don't know, I don't know if it's because of his character, if he's more of just like a loud character rather than Trayvon Walker's more shyness. Obviously I don't know them personally, but that's kind of what I get from their uh, social media and uh, social media stuff. But like, I don't know. I, I don't hate the Trayvon Walker pick. I could be completely wrong about this. And I think that he's a very good chance when defensive rookie of the year, especially on a defense where he's going to be utilized a lot. But I think that Aiden Hutchinson probably could have been the better pick. there. One last thing before you go, Dean also, Trayvon Walker doesn't play every down. And as you mentioned, he doesn't get double teamed. Whereas Aiden Hutchinson doubling him in every important stat while being double teamed and playing every single down. Like Aiden Hutchinson, there was a stat at the end of the college football playoff that said, like, out of all the teams, like in NCAA, defensive players who played like the most snaps, like per percentage of like their team's total defensive snaps, Aiden Hutchinson's like in like the 90th percentile or something. Like he's playing all three downs for you. Like he's not coming out of the game. And I think that he's more used to using his skill rather than, and that's not to say he's not athletic. He has great measurables, but I think he's more used to using his skill and techniques, which will help him in the NFL where Trayvon Walker, when he comes in, he's going to be using his athleticism at first to try to just run by guys and bull those people. And that doesn't necessarily work always in the NFL. I don't think this guy is like, like a freak of nature. So I think that that's another reason why Hutchinson would be a better fit just because I think his skill combined with athleticism just is going to make him better from the get-go. Yeah. I think that what you're kind of talking about, how his 
his skill, just his overall skill is what kind of puts Hutchinson over the top. But I think one of the main reasons why the Jaguars took Walker is because of his impressive measurables. I mean, on paper, his measurables look better than Hutchinson's. Um, a reason why they thought he or they think he is a higher ceiling um, than Hutchinson. But obviously, taking all factors into account, and especially the um, their current circumstances in the organization, I don't know. I just think if I was the general manager of the Jaguars, I would definitely be leaning towards picking Hutchinson with that first overall pick. Yeah, I'm going to quickly get my opinion in here before you wrap this one up about the first overall pick. But I think the biggest thing that the Jaguars sort of messed up on while taking Trayvon Walker was sort of something that Drew touched upon, which was that the Jaguars really needed like a revamped culture change, especially on their defense, because they got that they got that last year on the offense with obviously having the number one overall pick in the previous year. They got Trevor Lawrence. He's a face of the franchise like he's all over Jacksonville, right? And you get someone like Trayvon Walker who coming into the draft process immediately, like it was no question about it. The top two guys at the beginning of the draft process, remember it was Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. So, I mean, when you're talking like someone who you need to absolutely change your franchise, you need to restart because the Jaguars first overall pick two years in a row, something's definitely wrong with your with your team. But I mean, in my opinion, Aiden Hutchinson, he could totally change this team, totally change his team. They just lost Miles Jack, who's been one of their most productive defensive players for the past however many seasons he's been in Jacksonville. So, I mean, Trayvon Walker, like Tyler said, I don't hate the pick either. I think he's going to be a good player, but I feel like you need someone like Aiden Hutchinson to really just change your franchise. So Tyler, just been in the chat. We're going to do a shot clock, not really traditional anymore. But if you remember, if you're loyal, if you're an actual, if you're actually a loyal ATB listener, uh, we used to do this thing called shot clock. You have 24 seconds to answer a question, give your opinion on it. It'll be timed. So it looks like the question is offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year. You can have a short explanation. It might be a little hard to fit that in, but we're going to start off with Andrew. Are you ready, Andrew? Offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Tell me. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. All right. So, Andrew, you have 24 seconds to tell us your offensive and defensive rookie of the year for the upcoming NFL season. Three, two, one, go. All right. So, for the offensive rookie of the year, I think like I think there's a lot of guys. I think maybe one of the QBs, if uh, they get a starting job, could probably win it because that award usually goes to QBs. But I'm just going to go with Chris Olave because I think he's the most NFL-ready player in the draft offensively. And then – Defensive uh, rookie of the year, Aiden Hutchinson. It's kind of a no-brainer. He's staying home in Detroit. That's where he's from. That's where he went to school. He's going to thrive with that fan base and on that team. He's going to play every down and make a big impact. All right. Moving on to Tyler. 24 seconds on the clock. Ready? Begin. Um, for offense's rookie of the year, I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson. I think he's most talented wide receiver in this draft. I think that he's going to have a big role in the Jets with Zach Wilson this year. Jack, Zach, uh, he's going to be Zach Wilson's favorite target. He's going to get 10 plus targets every game. Uh, a lot of touchdowns. I like him with my re- offense rookie there and defense rookie. I'm also going to go with Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think he's already a fan favorite. He's going to have a huge role in that line's defense and, uh, the defense rookie of the year award always goes to players that are flashy and that put up good stats. I think that's what Aiden Hutchinson Hutchinson's going to do. So, uh, all right. Um, if someone could time me, that'd be lovely. All right, Tyler. Uh, Tyler's yeah. going to time me. All right. Ready, set, 
can go. All right, so Tyler sort of stole my pick with Garrett Wilson, but I'm going to take someone else on the Jets. I'm going to take Brees Hall, the running back. I know he's sharing a role with Michael Carter. A lot of people like Michael Carter. I did too, but Brees Hall, clear-cut running back number one in this class. I think he's going to be an absolute three-down back stud. And I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I got to go with Aiden Hutchinson on this one. I think definitely him playing in Detroit, in Michigan, it's where he's been all his entire football career. So I definitely think that's going to give him some extra motivation to take home the defensive rookie of the year award. So if no one else has anything else to say, that'll do it for episode 51 of at the buzzer podcast. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms and the podcast platform you're listening on today. And we should have an episode coming out probably next week too. So see you then.